Our Father and our God, we love, honor, and bless you for another expression of your goodness and grace. Thank you for the golden opportunity to again share this word with your people. And I pray that you would grant to us teaching clarity, preaching power, and give your people ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Pray that you would take me down into the hidden treasures of your anointing that you would grant to us the kind of anointing that makes teaching and preaching easy and listening possible. He that hath an ear, let him hear. The Spirit is saying to the church, and if you do that, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise if you're glad to be here. Amen. I am so grateful to be back at Calvary. my Thousand Oaks family. I thank God for, again, my friendship with your pastor and my bond and covenant with Calvary of Thousand Oaks. And uh, I'm, I'm not here by, um, should I say, cordial invitation. I asked to come because I miss y'all. I just, I just miss you. I just wanted to come and and to let you know that I love you and I thank God for um, how kind and how receptive and loving uh, you, the Calvary Church, has been to my wife and I'm here. Tonight I'm I'm a little torn because this is my third wedding anniversary and and my wife is on a business trip, say amen, so I'll catch her tomorrow. Man, but it's a joy to be here, and I thought this would be the best way to celebrate it uh, with you, my Calvary family. So it's good to be here tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brett, and praise team for blessing the house and uh, allowing us to share this evening. I love your pastor. He will be a friend forever. Amen. And uh, I just think he is one of the most awesome men of God that I've met in a long time. If you have a problem loving Rob McCoy, then I, I, I don't know if you are really fit to go to heaven. <laughs> Amen. Hey, love him as much as a man could love another man and still be a man. Amen. I want to I look at a text tonight um, from the book of Genesis. I want to process a narrative and... Um, I read this narrative a few weeks ago, and it captured my attention. I want to share it with you because in this narrative, I see several components of this narrative that I I believe uh, lends itself to the sabotage of faith. Um, The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. The Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, we live by faith and, and it, is, it is through our commitment to faith that we find hope and we garner the ability to, 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 to establish a better life and to fulfill all that God has purposed in our lives. Uh, God has promised it. If God has said it, if God has ordained it, 
then there ought to be a, a tenacious kind of faith that holds fast to the promises of God until it comes to pass. But I, I've learned uh, through this narrative and many times in life that there are things that we do in our faith life that result in self-inflicted wounds. Sometimes as, as it relates to our faith life, we're, all, we're our worst enemies. And uh, this is true in the life of both Sarah and Abraham. And so if you walk with me through this, let's pull some principles from this narrative that I believe will, will help us to um, set our faith radar in place so that when we see ourselves moving in that direction, we can, we can um, discipline ourselves back to the area where we know that God will fulfill his promise Verse 1, chapter 16. Now Sarai, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Hagar here in chapter 16, verse 2, See, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And here it is. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Sabotage of faith. Um, how was Abraham's faith sabotaged? He heeded the voice of Sarah. What, 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 what are some of the dynamics that, that sabotages face? First of all, notice in verse number one, Abraham's wife had borne no children. And she had a maidservant, Egyptian maidservant, whose name was Hagar. So Sarah says, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Go into my maid, perhaps I shall obtain children by her. The first principle in this text I, I see that I believe will help us to maintain our level of commitment to, to our faith life is when we understand and try to resolve the problem of affirmation. I believe that, that a life of faith can only be fulfilled and become wholesome and healthy when we understand what affirms us. Sarah, in this text and in this culture, understood that the significance of women in this culture was that they were created to bear children. Um, they were to be fruitful and and your affirmation came from your ability to bear children as a woman. And so in light of the fact that the culture dictated what would affirm her, place pressure on her to do something drastic outside of the box and totally and completely uh, contrary to the will of God, 
trying to realize the promise of God by orchestrating her own plan to affirm her faith in what God had promised. Now, my brothers and sisters, that, 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 that's well and good. But if the truth be told, if the truth be told, why is it that only one area of life can affirm you? Because the true purposes of God can only be realized when we understand that what we do or what we produce does not define us. See, so you have to understand that, that uh, those things in this life and in this culture that we deem to be important, that we deem uh, to, be, to be affirming, can sometimes become fleeting, can sometimes become hard to grasp and get a hold to. And when you place all of your self-affirmation into one area of life, the enemy will see to it that it becomes a difficult way of attaining it. You are more than your job. You're more than a six-figure salary and a home in, 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 in the suburbs. You're more than that. And if it doesn't happen, what does that say about who you are? This culture said that uh, uh, a woman who bears children can be affirmed, but a, a baby maker in this culture who doesn't make babies is worth nothing. So after becoming 90 years old, 90 years old, Abraham almost 100, 90 years old, and, and barren, her self-esteem. So, so what she does to affirm her faith and to realize the promises of God, she, she decides to take matters into her own hands. Huh. How many times do we sabotage our faith by taking the problems that we have into our own hands? The Bible says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And whenever you take control of your life, how many believe that a life of faith means sometimes that you must release control? Because, you know, we're, we're control freaks by nature. And, and, and you can't live a life of faith and be in control. That control has to be released to God and leave it in the hands of God. Sarah decided, I've got a bright idea. Because in that culture, if you were a slave, you were the property of your slave master. And, 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 and so Sarah decided, Abraham, Hagar is our slave. If you have a child by Hagar, um, I can then take it as my child, and God's promises will be realized. I will find favor through someone else. That brings me to my next point, because one of the problems of, of faith is not only a problem of affirmation, but it, sometimes it becomes a problem of accommodation. Because what happens is that Sarah... And Abraham uses 
Hagar to accommodate themselves for their own sense of affirmation. Now, I want to pause right there because the, the, the sounds horrible. It sounds, it sounds deplorable. But when we examine ourselves, how many times do we use other people to affirm ourselves? How many times do we use other situations and, 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 and other personalities and, 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 and other people's time and money and effort, and other people's uh, self-worth? We, we accommodate ourselves. We accommodate ourselves by using people to affirm ourselves. Notice the text, verse number two. She says here, she says, um, verse number, number two, Sarah said to him, see now that the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Go into my maidservant. I'll obtain children by her. I will obtain what I need through someone else. I will obtain what I need through someone else. Watch this. The problem and the challenge here is that instead of her confessing and affirming that my promise will be fulfilled by God himself rather than trying to use another human being that you have control over. Hallelujah. Number three, third thing in this text that will sabotage her faith is found here in verse number two. It says, Abraham said, Lord, what will you, uh, verse number three, then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, and the Egyptian, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abraham's wife, Abram to be his wife, after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So when she went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Number three, problem of affirmation, problem of accommodation. Now, it becomes, my brothers and sisters, a problem of agitation. Can somebody help me say agitation? Okay, you're all awfully quiet tonight. Amen. Agitation. Isn't it true that sometimes the very thing that you use to affirm you when it doesn't work the way you expect it to work can become the very thing that agitates you? Sometimes the things that we, that we want so badly in life and we take matters into our own hands and when it doesn't develop as quickly or as effectively as we want, we become agitated and we begin to blame the very person or thing that we thought would bring about that affirmation for us. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Let, let let me let me let me come home. Let me come home. Let me come home. Um, men are affirmed in many different ways, so diametrically opposed to women. Men and women are different. 
Men are affirmed by respect. Women are affirmed by love. Okay? Um, and so, because men need to be respected, many times, a lack of perceived respect can, can go awry because the enemy will use that craving and that need to be affirmed by respect to areas that are ungodly, fleshly, and make us vulnerable to the enemy. And so, and so what happens is that, is that we, 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 will, we, will, we will sometimes do illegal things, immoral things. We'll, we'll find ourselves uh, getting involved in relationships that are not godly and ungodly uh, alliances so that we can become affirmed and get the respect that we so rightfully deserve. The only problem with that is that is that when you don't do whatever you need to do God's way, God will never allow you to be fulfilled in the manner that you had planned. And when it doesn't work out, when your plan fails, when you fumble the ball, throw an interception. When you strike out or miss the dunk shot, you have to blame somebody else. And the very person that you use to create that scenario becomes your enemy. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Let me, do, you decide, I'm, I, I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm going to have an affair because I need to feel manly. So you find some woman that will cooperate with you. Okay, you don't like this kind of talk, but I just... And when you find this woman that will cooperate with you, all of a sudden, when you aren't as affirmed as you thought you would be, and that woman doesn't cooperate and find a way to make you feel macho, And when, and when you find yourself left guilty, empty, unfulfilled, desperate for answers as to how you got yourself in that position in the first place, you then make that person your enemy. Hallelujah. The very thing that you thought would be an affirmation becomes an agitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah and Abraham thought that Hagar would become that affirming presence in their life to bring about the plan of God into fruition. And as it turns out, the Bible says here, it's right here in the text, she became what despised in their eyes hallelujah can i can i go further okay so we have a problem of affirmation we have a problem of accommodation we have a problem 
of agitation. But notice, notice verse 5, and this is my favorite right here. Then Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon thee. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I de- I, 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 she became despised, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. Now this is, this is cute right here. It's really cute. It, it, isn't it crazy how you can be as wrong as two left shoes, as someone can be as, 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 as wrong as, and then they all of a sudden get holy and super spiritual on you. All of a sudden, Sarah is, is spiritual. She's talking about God. She's, she, she's talking about the Lord judge you how in the world can God judge somebody else and the idea came from you accusation somebody help me say accusation it became a problem of accusation isn't that, isn't that, isn't that funny how, how that, that when things don't go our way in life, in our faith life, we always seem to have to place the blame on somebody. Brothers and sisters, what what is it in your life that did not become a reality that you're holding on to with respect to placing the blame on someone else? Glory to God. Um, on second thought, um, <laughs> it has been said that, well, Pastor Huggins, you know, women really don't say what they mean. She, 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 Sarah is a typical woman. She doesn't, you know, you know, she doesn't really say what she means. I, I really didn't mean it. I, I just wanted to, 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 to bear. I just wanted you to, to hear me. But here's what happens. When she accused Abraham of being the culprit, that spirit of finger pointing further divided the family in a way that did not bring glory to God. Here's the end result, and I'm finished. Notice the text. So Abraham said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hands. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Two things. First of all, here is Abraham right smack dab in the middle of the mess. And now he decides that he's going to shift the responsibility to Sarah. And he's operating as if he had no responsibility. God gave the commandment to both Abraham and Sarah. 
that the promised child would come through Sarah. Hallelujah. Abraham could not wait. Abraham could not stand to, to hold on to the promises of God. Sarah decides to come up with her own idea as to how the promise would come into fruition. And they both agreed to violate their own faith. Glory to God. And now Sarah is shifting blame. And now Abraham shifts the responsibility to his wife. Hallelujah. How many times do we find ourselves having to deal with the consequences or the negative consequences of our bad decisions? And we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to take responsibility. We don't want to put forth the effort. We don't have the courage to face it and deal with it as a man. We shift it to someone else as if we had nothing to do with it. Glory to God. Faith is sabotaged. Even when you make a mistake, not to own up to it and ask God to forgive you. Hallelujah. But finally, there's always the problem of the victim. We've talked about Abraham's problem. We've talked about Sarah's problem. But I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Hagar's problem. Here she is a victim in a circumstance that she did not create. She's a slave, remember? She has to do what she's told. But the problem with Hagar is that Hagar's attitude and disposition and the flaunting of her superiority over Sarah created an adversarial relationship. And as a result, the Bible lets us know that when she became despised in Sarah's eyes, Sarah dealt harshly with her. Let me share this with you. If I'm backed up against the wall and I have to be judged and I have to be punished and I must suffer the consequences of some bad decisions, please, Lord, don't place my destiny in the hands of an angry woman. Hello, somebody. <laughs> Amen. Goes right there. If I must suffer the consequences of a bad decision, Lord, please do not place me in the hands of angry people. David said, Lord, whatever you do, uh, I want you to judge me. You take care of me. You chastise me. You discipline me. Don't, don't turn me over to the hands of my enemies. And the Bible says here, that Abraham, that Sarah dealt harshly with her. But here's how I'm going to wrap this argument up. We have to realize, my brothers and sisters, that in every situation in life, there's always going to be a victim. Someone is always going to have to take the brunt of our mistakes. Be careful how you use people. 
be careful how you use other people to accommodate your goals, your ideas, to accommodate your dreams. Make sure that even if it doesn't work out, that you don't throw them under the bus. The Bible says that when Sarah dealt harshly with her, that she fled from the presence of Sarah. Somebody help me say alienation. Come on, say it again, alienation. My brothers and sisters, how many times do we find ourselves alienating people because we've used them? And when we've used them and no longer have need for them, they become alienated. Hallelujah. Do I have any old school people in the house? Come old school. I, I, not, y'all, y'all don't send me. Don't, don't, don't send me to hell. Don't judge me. But but I love Bill Withers. You know, keep on using me. Okay, you're too old or too young for that. All right. Until you use me up. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Sarah was you. Hagar was used. She fled from the presence of the Lord. But what I love about God, the good news. The good news of this story is that while while Abraham, while Abraham had shifted responsibility and while Sarah had dealt harshly with her and while Hagar had to flee from the presence of an angry mistress, she finds herself in the wilderness, finds herself alienated, finds herself alone with her child, a single mother, out on the fringes of life with no one to care, no one to share, no one to care anything about her. The Bible says she found herself alienated. But one thing I want to leave with you tonight for those of us that have gone through times in our lives when we've been forced out of situations and forced out of our comfort zone and forced to live in situations that we did not ask for and to find ourselves at the end, at the bottom of the preferential totem pole. The good news is that there will always be an angel. That God will always find a way to find you. And God will always comfort and 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 accommodate you and heal you and provide for you. That's the good news. When we're alienated, when we feel as though we've been kicked to the curb and thrown under the bus, others may forget us, but God will always remember. Hallelujah. Don't sabotage your faith. Hold on to what God promises. And here's here's how I'm going to wrap this up. Hold on to the promises of God, and you won't have to find yourself using other people, alienating other people. 
people, victimizing other people, if you do it God's way. He will never let you down. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said he was going to do it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will make it good. If you believe it, give him a hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you for your word. Your word is yea and amen. Your word will never fail. If you said it, it will come to pass. If you spoke it, we can rely on it. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Doesn't matter how long we have to wait. Help us to learn. Wait on you. That we don't involve other people our challenges and as we find ourselves being tempted to sabotage our faith by using other people for accommodation and by trying to to find affirmation in areas that you did not orchestrate I pray that you will speak peace to our souls so that we can Hold on and live in peace knowing that we have not developed drama and self-inflicted wounds on ourselves because of our inability to trust you. And God, if you'll do it, will give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Let me say this to you before I take my seat. I have a friend in Wichita, Kansas. This message is very personal to me. A friend in Wichita, Kansas. His name was Pastor David Brace. Great church in the city of Wichita. Trying to build an edifice, trying to build a 40,000 square foot sanctuary. He had run up against a brick wall with respect to finding, financing, financing for his project. And he became so desperate because he felt as though the completion of that sanctuary would affirm him. He was so desperate to find the money that he fell into the hands of some sinister and shady loan sharks only to find out that his desperation set him up for illegal activity. The end result, he winds up in jail for almost 18 years, the church folded and the land and what had been built had to be sold to the local university. A wasted ministry 
wasted anointing, wasted gifts, yes, wasted money because he could not wait on God. And my prayer that I, my prayer, the impetus to this message is that I trust that God will allow this little country preacher to wait on him and wait on his provision to fulfill the promises that he gave me. That I don't use other people for my own accommodation and that I understand that my affirmation does not come from building a church or a congregation. My affirmation comes from knowing that I am a son of God, that I'm a child of the king, and that his anointing is what affirms me. That's my story. What's your story?